a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Is that Jesus can return at any time. He's not waiting for a Japanese nuclear power plant to melt down. No. He, he, the thing that's holding him back is his patience and love for lost humanity and nothingness. Uh, there, 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 there are no events that need to occur before Jesus comes back. And so seeing all the things that happen around us and saying, hey, hey, that means Jesus is coming. The answer is no, no. That's wrong. That's the wrong way of looking at it. Jesus can come at any moment. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. And Luther says the only way that uh, the pronoun me and God could be in the same sentence is by this verb, have mercy. I've got, I've given myself the new nickname. I've thrown aside all the other accolades that you toss at me so freely, Evan. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, they, uh, they, they feel like wine. Bull rider. Yeah, and uh, what else am I? I can't remember. I can't remember them, them all either. Up. They're just too <laughs> numerous. <laughs> Good news for Table Talk Radio listeners. Table Talk Radio should be marginally better because we have a in-studio <laughs> guest, uh, Pastor Jared Melius from Mount Zion Lutheran Church in Denver, Colorado. He has some obstacles to overcome. <laughs> Which are? Uh, you and I. <laughs> for making the show good. He is a phenomenon, though. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, a sensation. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, we're going to get those two mixed up. We're going to first do some buzzwords and some email, but then we're going to do uh, the, for the rest of the program some Bible B uh, and uh, see how that goes. So, uh, should we just get started with the buzzwords? Yeah, then? I got one for you. Okay. Pneumatology. <laughs> some people say pneumatology. That is the study of the Holy Spirit. Pneuma being the Greek word for spirit. Now, I think this is a kind of a nice thing uh, that the word for in Greek for spirit is both spirit and breath. And the same thing in Hebrew, ruach, is both spirit and breath. Uh, but we call the particular area of pneumatology, <laughs> or pneumatology, uh, the area, uh, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, which is, uh, we understand, the, that the Holy Spirit comes to create in us faith. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, to convict us of sin and of righteousness. And he comes to do it through means, namely through the word. All right, so pneumatology. <laughs> does it, does it, I, I'm against uh, not pronouncing silent letters, by gonna, the way. I was going to say, uh, I was wondering if uh, there's a theology of pneumatology in the Psalms. <laughs> That's because I, I think it's just, uh, it's kind of a, uh, you know, alphabetic uh, uh, racism to, to not pronounce the letters that are there in the words. I mean, it's kind of like a alphabetical, uh, just... Um, Favoritism or something like that. Yeah, that's right. So I I think that each letter deserves to be pronounced. Now, if two letters want to get together and make the same sound together, I'm not going to begrudge them that. Okay, moving on to the next uh, (laughs) theological buzzword. Uh, My theological buzzword for you is expiation, uh, which is uh, to make satisfaction or appeasement. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. (laughs) That's good. Uh, But uh, the the wrath uh, that God would have for sin... Um, is is appeased uh, because of the death of, of Christ. So that uh, now, uh, because of the death of Christ, God no longer looks at us um, 
uh, with our sins, but now uh, we we have been our sins have been atoned for, and so uh, they have been expiated. So expiation. I'm glad for that. Okay, now we have an email, and and uh, Pastor <laughs> Melius, uh, you can you can just ride along in, in helping us answer this email. Uh, too. I don't even remember what, what email you have there, Pastor. Hello, my name is Jane, and I'm from southwestern Ontario, Canada, and I'm listener number 11. <laughs> this is, I think, now, remember each of you listening in Canada, you're the only one in Canada. <laughs> well, like, we got two emails from Canada people. Now, now, <laughs> now Pastor thinks it's like every, all of Canada is listening well, to Well, that's like 50% radio. of the people in Canada. <laughs> that's 50%, 50% of our listenership. <laughs> we get all these all these foreign emails. It's great. We got one the other day from California. Now, uh, Jane from Southwestern Ontario, listener number 11. First of all, I wanted to comment that I was listening to a podcast recently while on the treadmill and laughed out loud and almost fell over. Now, this is twice, by the way, that this has happened, that people have hurt themselves. One guy was lifting weights and listening to our show and almost dropped the weights on himself. Uh, so, you please be careful. This is not for heavy lifting. I thought you were... Uh, here, here, Jane continues. I thought you were uh, trying for mediocrity. If you're aiming for excellence, let us know ahead of time, will you? So, Jane... Just to let you know ahead of time, we are not aiming for excellence. <laughs> we have our sights clearly set on mediocrity. And any, if, if there is any excellence in this show, uh, you can be assured that it is purely accidental. Uh, certainly not on purpose. And, and should be immediately reported to the FCC and also to your district president. Uh, Jane continues. <laughs> I'm glad, very glad that your last podcast uh, provided a response to Dr. Price's arguments. That's that debate we had with uh, Dr. Price and uh, Dr. Scare. I'm a Lutheran and hardly in danger of believing the arguments of liberal Christianity, but I did appreciate how Mark Pearson addressed the issues. Dr. Price seemed to be trying to convince us that one would have to be a moron to oppose his position, which generally tells me that the strength of his arguments are not found in the facts. I'm mainly writing because I really don't understand liberal Christianity. Dr. Price's creed, if he has one, seems to be, we can't really know anything for sure, so what's the point of any of it? Why go to church? Why choose Christianity over any other faith? Is it simply preferential? I'm thankful I am a part of a historical, creedal, liturgical Lutheran church. Why someone would attend a liberal church to hear messages like Dr. Price's, I just don't know. Perhaps you could help me out. But I simply don't get the point of why one would attend a church like that. Thanks, and keep up the good work. Jane. P.S. Go Canucks. <laughs> well, I'm glad we have Pastor Melius here. He can help us understand liberal The Canucks, by the way, are my favorite. What are the, the Canucks are my favorite. Are they, uh, is that a hockey team? <laughs> How did the debate go, by the way? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, uh, in fact, uh, in case, uh, as, the, as the listener is uh, writing about there, we on show 151, I believe it is, we had a response with uh, Mark Pearson uh, about that. Uh, what, uh, now, I think an interesting f- question for Dr. Price would have been, is do you consider yourself a Christian? I, I don't know that he would necessarily answer yes to that. Maybe he would. Well, this is—I mean, if it's a—it's Jane makes a fantastic point, and I think the answer to her question: if liberal Christians don't believe anything, so why would you go to the church? Is you're presuming that believing something is important, uh, and that's just not a presumption. It's not a—it's not something that the liberal Christians would claim that what they believe is important. Uh, it is, though, I think, so you have, I, I think you can divide the history of liberal Christianity kind of in half. And the um, and the first half of liberal Christianity is uh, busy trying to prove to the rest of the church that the Bible's not true. And then the, na- the last half of liberal Christianity is trying to prove that the Bible matters, 
<laughs> which is kind of a difficult thing. If the Bible's not true, then why does it matter? But you get answers like um, narrative theology or... Uh, uh, the, the importance of ritual. You get kind of this anthropocentric, uh, what is that thing called in Germany? The religion Geschichte or whatever that thing is, where you have kind of have a religious, uh, it's part of being human to have ritual and all this kind of stuff. And so the answer that liberal Christianity provides, well, the Bible's not true, but it can provide some coherence or something like this. Uh, and Jane makes a great point. Well, so what? If something provides coherence, if it's not true, I mean, so what if something provides comfort and it's not true? It's it's uh, it is in a kind of weird way uh, fulfilling the the uh, prophecy of Karl Marx, where he says the religion is the opiate of the masses. It's a it's a flight from reality. Liberal Christianity is because it's saying, well, it doesn't really matter if Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, historically, it matters if you believe it. Well, what? That's just that's just dumb. I mean, it doesn't matter. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we are, of all people, to be the most pitied. So, yeah, uh, I think I think maybe what's confusing here too is is uh, as we listed on the website, and I think announced at the beginning of that debate is that Dr. Price uh, teaches at a, uh, a seminary, uh, and, and so someone remarked to me after the debate that uh, that could give the impression because you have two seminary professors that they're uh, some sort of on, on you know, equal standing or something like that. But, uh, I mean, there, there's plenty of seminaries out there that uh, that don't teach the biblical truth. Uh, for example, the seminary Dr. Price <laughs> teaches Well, that. yeah. In fact, most <laughs> seminaries and, uh, are actively opposing the scriptures. I mean, they, you go to seminary and you might believe the Bible when you go to seminary, and the seminaries have the distinct... Uh, purpose of making sure that when you graduate that you don't believe that this is God's word. Yeah. Uh, so that, I mean, the historical critical method, which has it as its root the assumption that God did not inspire this stuff, uh, is is what's driving the theology of... of but but so, so you have... So you... Um, uh, so, so you have someone come along and destroy the building and destroy the foundation, and then now everyone's standing around this big pile of rubble kind of looking at it and saying, well, what are we going to do now? I mean, that right there is liberal Christianity. Yeah, you remember a couple of years ago, uh, yeah, I think it was three, I think it was been three years ago, right around Easter. Uh, th- that's when they discovered some sort of a tomb or something like this. And it had the name, uh, uh, this is Jesus, son of Joseph or something. And uh, so, so the argument came out. Now, of course, this had been out for a number of years, but the, the argument at the time was, well, see, there we found his tomb. It's got bones in it. Now Je- we found Jesus' body. It's in a tomb. So uh, if this were, and I remember on a, on a broadcast, uh, an interview was being done, and, and, and somebody asked a Christian who was, I don't know, vacationing or something in Israel at the time, asked him, if this were the uh, body of Jesus, would it matter to you? And he said, no. My faith stands still, even if Jesus isn't risen. Well, that is confusion right there. That's scary. Right, yeah. So our faith is actually based upon uh, reality, that, that Christ had to have risen from the dead in order for anything in our religion to, to count or to matter. Well, uh, thanks for the email. We'll be right back to the Bible Bee with Pastor Jared Melian. Glad to help Jane get off that trip. I'm against the
Hi, this is Jonathan Fisk, and Table Talk Radio is terrible. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Pastor Brian Wolfmuller is out to uh, improve his (laughs) record (laughs) with Bible B. His uh, his what is your record on? How many times we played Bible B? Seven or eight. So you're O and seven and eight. O and however many we've played. (laughs) But uh, you know, hoping to 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 swing for the fence here. I am what you call unfeated. (laughs) (laughs) So the way Bible B works is you have. <laughs> you, you have three I rounds. About that for a while. <laughs> Undefeated. Oh yeah, yeah, I yeah. get it. Uh, you have three rounds. Uh, the first round you get three verses uh, from the Bible. The second round uh, worth two hundred points. You get two verses, or no, I'm sorry, one verse in the second round, and then the third verse you get one word uh, from somewhere in the Bible. And uh, that that round is three hundred, and uh, you have to correctly guess which book of the Bible uh, that verse or word appears, uh, and then you'll get Table Talk Radio points. And we also have the Law Gospel portion of this game. And I was wondering if our in studio guest, Pastor Jared Melius from Mount Zion Lutheran Church, yes, in I Denver, do believe Colorado. in the Law Gospel. You do? Oh, okay. Yes. Well, that's out of the way. No, I was wondering if you could uh, d- describe the distinction between Law and Gospel and. And maybe what questions they would ask to discover whether these verses are law gospel. Yes, uh, the law gospel distinction is the light uh, that shines upon the scripture. And so the basic question we're asking is, uh, is who's doing the work here? Of, of whom is something expected? So uh, in law, for instance, if it was a law passage or a generally law passage, you're going to be expecting uh, something out of us or me or man of some sort. Faith, work, something like this. Uh, if it's the gospel, you're going to be uh, looking for something that God is doing. We're expecting so- him to do something for us, uh, uh, maybe even in our place. That is your basic distinction between law and gospel. So law lays expectations. Gospel gives uh, comfort. Fantastic. Okay, so that's the distinction between law and gospel. And those are the questions our contestants are going to be asking uh, after they guess which book of the Bible this appears in. Uh, so they can answer it in the context of law and gospel. You could pick a different word than guess. Uh, well, okay. Pastor Wolfman will be guessing. You will be uh, determining. Which, <laughs> discerning. <laughs> discerning. <laughs> For me, it's a guess. How do they, they guess? Is that, what, is that how it usually goes? We just guess? Well, right. we'll see how it goes. Are you ready for round one? I'm ready. All right. I'm Here ready. are your uh, three verses for Bible B. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who, all those who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Is this my question? Yeah, it's yeah. yours. Are you kidding? Okay. <laughs> Just wait till I get mine. Third Habakkuk. <laughs> All right, Evan, that's from Romans. Romans is correct. Thank you. So I will mark uh, 200 points. Now, Pastor Milis, could you, you uh, help us with the discernment of law and gospel? Okay, could you say it again? Sure. Uh, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. 
even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. But there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All right, the righteousness of God has been revealed. And, and uh, what I had to uh, listen carefully for was you said to the law and the prophets. And uh, so the first thing that I might think is, wait a minute, that could be law, that could be uh, and the prophets or something like that. You, you said law, but this is in fact gospel, and what the law and the prophets refer to there is Moses, or the books, or the five books of Moses, and the remainder of the Old Testament or the prophets. So uh, this is the righteousness of God, which is achieved for us through Christ Jesus, death and resurrection, and it's testified in the Bible. That's what the law and the prophets means. All right. Gospel, sir. Okay, good. All right. Uh, so I will give you another 200 points for the law and gospel answer, bringing you to, so far, a total of 400. That's nothing. Now, I got you in my sights. Emilius. <laughs> you ready then, Pastor? Oh, Wilson? yeah. All right. Since you have taken my silver and my gold, brought my precious treasures to your temples, and sold the sons of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks in order to remove them far from their territory. Behold, I am going to arouse them from the place where you have sold them and return your recompense on your head. Oh, I can't believe you're giving me such an easy one. What are you laughing at over there, by the way, Pastor Mulius? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Because this is obviously a passage from the Old Testament. Um... Unfortunately, so. this isn't Testament B. <laughs> 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 uh, let's see here. Uh, I think this sounds an awful lot like one of the prophets. It's going to hone it in a little bit. And it's talking about... If he gets it wrong, can I... Sure. Yeah. Swipe in to get... go for the steal. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's particularly one of the prophets where God is getting mad at the people, which is going to narrow it down a little bit more. <laughs> Uh, how, say the, the very first phrase again, or f first sentence. Since you have taken my silver and my gold. And then how's the last part go again? Uh, I'm going to arouse them from the place where you have sold them and return your recompense on your head. Was there mention of Israel in the... No, but there was Judah. mention of sons of Judah and Jerusalem. Sons mm -hmm. of Judah and Jerusalem. See, mm -hmm. I think it's one of the later mm -hmm. prophets, see, because uh, uh, Israel, of course, is the northern kingdom. So this is a southern kingdom sort of thing. Uh, the idolatry of the southern kingdom before they're uh, walloped. So this is going to be, I think, one of the 8th or 7th century prophets um, like Isaiah or Amos uh, or Hosea. I'm going to say, because I got the best shot at it, because his book is the longest, that this is Isaiah. I'm sorry, that is not correct. <laughs> you forgot who's picking the text. We'll, uh, we'll <laughs> <laughs> Should go for the smaller yeah, text. Yeah, go for the most obscure. <laughs> All right, Pastor Mulish, you want to go for the steal on that one? Uh, well, because... Uh, because he already gave me two, I can't take him. It'd be too easy. So I'm going to say... Later prophets. I'm going to say Obadiah. <laughs> I'm sorry, that too is incorrect. <laughs> the correct answer is Joel chapter uh, uh, 3. 
Joel chapter 3? Yeah. Should have known that. I get points for proximity. <laughs> uh, but well, listen, just for the fun of it, Pastor Wolfman, you want to uh, speak uh, in terms of law and gospel? Sure. Well, this sounded an awful lot like me, like the Lord getting after the people with the law, t- uh, talking about their idolatry, talking about the kings especially who didn't do their work of protecting the people, but rather sold them uh, to the uh, to the nations surrounding Israel. Uh, so this, I think, uh, sounded to me like a clear word of law, and I didn't, I didn't hear any gospel in there. Um, although, did you see some in there? Was there a phrase, a gospel or two? I don't think so. I think it's all law. All right. So you got it. Good job. All right. Well, now I guess we'll move on to uh, uh, round two. Let's first check the scoreboard. Uh, <laughs> Pastor Melius uh, from uh, Mount Zion in Denver is uh, hanging in there with 400 points. Barely. And uh, Pastor Wolfmuller is still at zero. Wow, so. just barely so, at zero, too. <laughs> 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 All right. In round two of Bible B, you get one verse to to discern here. And uh, Pastor Mulius, here's your one verse. I'm ready. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate, breastplate of righteousness. Sounds like either. Ooh, this is kind of a tricky one here. I, Evan, what came to mind first was First Peter or Ephesians, and I think I read it again. It's sure. only one verse. You can read it again. I sure can. Uh, Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Look, look, that's not Ephesians six, is it? That is. <laughs> I might have a shot at we, the steel we, on this we can, one. We here. can find a, a quarter to, to flip a coin. Wait a minute. Oh, I'm here's thinking. a nickel. Stand firm, therefore. <laughs> Heads is Ephesians. <laughs> flip it. It's tails. <laughs> you, it was saying First Peter? Uh, <laughs> all right, I'll say... I, I can't... Bl- I'm going between uh, First Peter and Romans, but I'll say First Peter. Uh, I'm sorry, that is incorrect. I, you're right. I mean, it isn't because this you think it's going to be Ephesians six, the armor of God. Yeah. That stand firm over, take up the whole armor of God, and the two things are mentioned there: the belt of truth and the stand. breastplate of righteousness. No, six things are mentioned: a helmet of a helmet of salvation, mm-hmm. breastplate of uh, the shield of faith, able to quench it. But I, I think. That Paul talks the same way in First Thessalonians. So First Thessalonians, your guess yeah, for the that's steal? My guess. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> this is, in fact, Ephesians chapter six. Oh, it is. <laughs> oh, Stand come on. <laughs> Stand firm. Breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, belt of truth. Verse fourteen, and then fourteen ends at oh, uh, righteousness. Firm. So, ah, I'm sorry. He was Uh, trying to trick us. Well, tell you what, when we come back from this commercial break, we'll still have Pastor Melius talk about Ephesians 6 uh, in terms of law and gospel. You are listening to Table Talk Radio, home of uh, Bible B. Uh, Pastor Wolfman's score is zero, and Pastor Melius is at 400. This is my favorite game, by the way. (laughs) Remember when every game was your favorite? Yeah, not only this one. That was funny. It was. That's what we call perfect tense. It was funny in the past, but no longer is. <laughs> if you uh, want to inform us about your uh, near injury when listening to our show, give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA, 
S-O-L-A, or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. We'll be right back. Everybody doing the mess around. Ah, oh, everybody was juice. You can bet your soul. They did the boogie boogie with the study roll. They mess around. They doing the mess around. They doing the mess around. Everybody doing the mess around. Not really one of the best decisions you've made today. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I like this song. Yeah. This is so peaceful. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. From Ephesians chapter 6. It was too obvious. That was the problem with that verse. (laughs) See, Pastor Melius over there, the sensation, thought that you were trying to trick him like you try to trick me. I don't try to trick anyone. Uh, Here's the verse I was thinking of, 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. But let us who are of the day be sober. Sober. (laughs) Sober. (laughs) (laughs) Putting on the breastplate of faith and love. And as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So that's a, kind of the second place where Paul will talk about this armor, the armor of God. True enough. All right, but uh, as far as Ephesians so anyways, 6 just goes... So anyway, just to kind of cover my shame, I wanted to let you know about that. <laughs> Pastor Melius, what do you think about uh, Law and Gospel with Ephesians 6? Yeah, that's another... Uh, the breastplate of righteousness is the, prote- is the, is the garment... Uh, that one places upon themselves to protect themselves. And this garment is righteousness. Now, if you were in context, so if we did go back to Ephesians 6, you'd have all those pieces of armor and so forth. And what those, all those pieces of armor, what they all boil down to, if you look at them closely, is one of two things. Either the word of God, which is your protection or your weapon or something, or the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Uh, righteous, and that's what this is. That's bre- breastplate of righteousness is the declared righteousness of Jesus Christ. So put put on the bre- breastplate of righteousness means put on the righteousness of Christ. Account yourself as having been justified. Now, what's tricky about that is that you've got an imperative there. So I think this could be law or gospel, depending upon the context, which I don't have. But in the just in the sense that you got there, what you have is an exhortation or a command to continue steadfast in this, as though there was this danger of falling away or something. So uh, so what is urging you to do is to, is to retain the gospel. And so I'm going to say, unless context dictates something different, I'm going to say law on this, even though the thing that it's urging you towards is the gospel. It's kind of this, uh, when you get to the third commandment, you get to this strange um, intermixing where... Uh, the gospel itself is the word of God, and we are commanded to hear the word of God and to keep the word of God. Uh, but it is precisely the gospel that we are being commanded to keep. This text, uh, I think it's stunning to note uh, that how many times there's st- it says to stand. It doesn't say to charge. It also doesn't say to re- retreat. It just says to stand. Uh, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Um, stand, therefore, having girded your... Waste with truth, etc. Um, 
uh, and then here a little bit later, uh, so the stand, stand, stand. So the Lord has not told us to, to charge, but to um, but to s- stay firmly planted in those things which He has given us. And it's true, like Pastor Melius said, Pastor Melius, the sensation said, that it's not a command uh, uh, that if we were to, to try to stand on our own righteousness. I mean, that would be like standing with the armor of uh, like an undershirt that's full of holes, you know. <laughs> we would be doomed. But the righteousness that we have is precisely the, the alien righteousness that God gives to us when we're justified. It's his righteousness that beats back the devil. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, you don't know what to, to, to rule on this, do you? Uh, well, he knows how to rule no points for nobody. <laughs> yeah, I'll... I'll, uh, I'll oh, that's right. So you don't get points for the law gospel. That's right, because you got you the law gospel. Get, All right. you, you only get points for law gospel if you get the verse right. <laughs> oh. That's why Sorry. Yeah. it says play along. <laughs> well, don't worry, though. Uh, we can see how Pastor Wolfner does in this round. Oh, yeah. No you, doubt about it. Now, you, this round is double points. Remember? Remember? Uh-huh. I do remember. All right. So uh, I'm ready. Give it so to I me. guess that be, that means this round is worth 400 because I gave uh, Pastor Melius 200 last time. Oh yeah. So I'd make round one verse 200, round two worth 400, and round three 600. Six million. All right. So here is your one verse for round two of Bible B. I don't remember the double rule. Go ahead, though. <laughs> <laughs> we make up the rules. Was that off the air? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're you're on air. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, here's your verse. He took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Uh, he took ten men of the elders of the city. Now, I have an inclination to think that this is from Esther. <laughs> because... <laughs> because uh, I've never read as a Lutheran I've never read the book of Esther <laughs> it's too Calvinist <laughs> okay for for those who okay for for all of you listeners who are just listening for the first time which is um, everyone because there's very few repeat listeners we we had a uh, a Bible be around one time from Esther that that pastor missed and so our uh Calvinist Official listener. Calvinist listener was mocking me because his three-year-old knew us from Esther, and he complained that Lutherans don't read Esther. And so then I, I gave Pastor Wolfmuller a chance to redeem himself, gave him another clue from Esther, and he got that one wrong too. So because he doesn't know this one, he's just concluding Esther. <laughs> Esther, I don't know what I'm going to say. Esther. But that actually said, so say it again. He took ten men from the elders of the city and he sat them down at the gate. Um, no. Uh, he took <laughs> That's what I would do with ten elders. I'd, I'd sit them down at the gate. Uh, your elders in the church here were just complaining why they always have to be sitting at the gate. What, what, Pastor, why do we always do It's Old Testament style. He took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. I bet it was at the gate, though. <laughs> you don't even know because you printed it out. Sit down here. Ten elders of the city. Now it, it sounds Old Testament. So it's, it's, it is narrative. It's, see, see, the thing, the, the thing that I think Evan is trying to do here, this sounds so Old Testament-y. But I wonder if it's something like at the book of Acts, where there's something happening where there's got to be ten guys sitting down at the gate or just sitting down. <laughs> don't do it. Stay Old Testament. <laughs> you think Old Testament? Are you trying to trick me? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this could be something like with Ruth. Remember when Boaz goes to talk to the elders and he wants to uh, go through the whole Leverite marriage thing and uh, marry Ruth and he has to take his uncle's sandal off and all this? 
Um, it could be then the other big narrative sections of the history books of Samuel Chronicles, first, second, yeah, Samuel, first, second Kings, first, second Chronicles. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I think I'm gonna go with uh, I think I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with go first, ahead. pull the trigger. First Chronicles. Second. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know I'm wrong yet. Oh, it is. What'd you say? First Chronicles. It is not First Chronicles. Second. It is not Second Chronicles. Oh, man. You're looking for the Book of Ruth. Oh, <laughs> oh, it was Ruth. Hot dog. Strange. I should get almost points for that. I'm gonna give myself. I'm gonna give myself some plastic points for that. <laughs> Are those more valuable okay. than the Tabletop Radio point? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> this is what it is, huh? Boaz wants to marry Ruth, so he says he goes and he sits him down and says, "Hey, Ruth's in town. I can marry her, but there's a closer kinsman." And the closer kinsman says, "Hey, you can redeem this field." And he says, "Oh yeah, I'll redeem the field." He says, "But you also have to marry Ruth." And he says, "Oh, no thanks to that." So he has to take off a sandal and be known as the one who is the doesn't wear the sandal. And then Boaz goes and marries Ruth, the Leverite marriage. He becomes her, what's called the Goel, the kinsman redeemer of Ruth. Uh, it's a beautiful passage. Oh, okay, Pastor Wolfing, how would you preach this out then? Uh, it's Our a good, gospel. That's a, that's a good question. Uh, what What's interesting, I think, here in this context is that, um, is that things are done in a in the Old Testament with redemption in a legal context, uh, one I think one of the problems that we face today in the church is that the idea of justification being forensic or being a, a legal uh, thing is despised. In many people, the idea that God is in a court declaring us to be innocent, it, it, it's like Judge Wapner or Night Court or some sort of sterile sort of thing, and it just uh, it doesn't capture pe- people's imagination. So they say, we need a new metaphor for redemption. The forensic justification is too cold. But I think that, that texts like this in the Old Testament show the, the, the richness of the conversation that's happening in the courthouse with this sort of thing. Uh, so that's uh, so that in w- is, uh, I think, a way that this text captures imagination. Now, of course, the reason why it's there is because Ruth and Boaz are um, uh, going to be another step in God's fulfilling the promise that the seed would be born of the woman who would destroy the who would crush the devil. So Boaz and Ruth become the great grandparents, right, of King David. And it's to David that God then gives the promise that his son will sit on the throne, and that's Jesus. So the way that this story uh, fits into the into the story of our salvation is is being this link between the judges and the promise that God gives in uh, uh, to David. And we presume then that it's even Samuel who wrote down this account uh, to explain David's lineage and to expound the promise that the Lord gives to King David. Okay. Uh, so now it's narrative. It uh, I don't know if it's law or gospel in that sense, but that's I think that's how it kind of fits into the story. Um, what do you think of that, Pastor Minas? I don't. Yeah, yeah. So you can't. Well, first of all, I got to commend you for your creativity on that. That's beautiful. That's what I would look. Look. <laughs> it is neither. <laughs> let me. I'll just say it. this is neither law nor gospel. It goes, because it is possible that the scriptures simply say that this or that happened, and it does not always have to be law or gospel in that sense. 
Okay. Well, uh, we're going to enter the final round of Bible B here on Table Talk Radio after this commercial break. The score is still Pastor Melius with 400 points and Pastor Wolf Miller with zero. In striking distance with zero. We'll be right back. In a recent survey, 98% of listeners can't stand Table Talk Radio. We would like to express our gratitude to those who did not participate in the study. Four hundred to zero is the score. Pastor Melius in the lead. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We are playing Bible B. The sensation does not intimidate me. And it is time for the <laughs> third round of Bible B, worth six hundred points. This is where I shine. And uh, <laughs> this is where you get one word. Uh, and I uh, have labored to find a word that only appears in the Bible one time. Actually, truth be told, you know our 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 official Calvinist blogger. How's that going, by the way? Uh, creating the little image or something. Oh, I know. That's right. i got to put that on my list. I totally <laughs> forgot. I'm anyway. supposed to put a little seal that says, this uh, is Pastor Wolfmuller's favorite Calvinist blog for every Calvinist <laughs> blogger to put on their page. <laughs> anyway, th- this uh, Calvinist blogger... You to, while you're here, you need to t- take a picture of me doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so that could be on there. Thumbs up with a big smile, yeah. Uh, but... Uh, he sent me an Excel spreadsheet of uh, all the times the uh, a word is used only once in Scripture and what book it's found in. What? So uh, that my that is a mark of a Calvin. My th- <laughs> Namely, you have too much time on your hands. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Pastor Melius, your one word, and this, if it, if it helps, is according to the New American Standard Bible. Uh, but your one word uh, entry is the word traitor. Traitor. Oh, man. Traitor. T-R-A-I-T-O-R. Woo. Mm. Mm. He's right. Well, wait, well I got, I'm thinking immediately of Judas, but Judas was always called the betrayer, never the traitor. So I don't think it's going to be Judas. And I don't, Unless there's some reference in Acts or something like that to Judas at some point. Was called a traitor. Now I think uh, I bet that this is some kind of random. I bet it is some kind of random verse that comes out of the Book of Revelation. Can you confirm that? I bet. You- I was going to guess Esther. <laughs> <laughs> a traitor. I don't know. Let me think too. Well, maybe it's the first five books too. It could be. Hmm. That's tough. <laughs> the verse isn't coming to mind. Traitor. Who would be a? You know, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna say First Samuel. No, no, Second Samuel. And the reason is is because I 
think that this could have something to do with David and his kingdom. I'm going to say 2 Samuel, but look, I get uh, half points if Revelation, Exodus, <laughs> First Acts. five books. <laughs> Come on, yeah. Who's okay. played Testament, be honest? 2 <laughs> Samuel. 2 uh, Samuel. 2 Samuel is incorrect. I'm sorry. Everybody knows it's from Proverbs. Wrong. Uh, You're both going to be surprised. This is from the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 6, where Judas is referred Ah, to as a traitor. Look at that. Judas, the son of James, and Judas the Iscariot, who became a traitor. Mm -hmm. Is uh, used there. You were thinking the right way. So, valiant guess. Okay, law or gospel? (laughs) (laughs) You could. Mm, I think traitors... Uh, what look? No, 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 no. If there's only one word, see, for something to be law or gospel, there has to be a subject and a verb. I think there's actually got to be a statement. Yeah, communication, then, the smallest reducible form of communication is the sentence, which we've determined in the praise song cruncher. <laughs> so you do so you do law gospel with the whole sentence, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, then read it again. I'll, okay. Then I'll do law Judas the, ja- the Judas the son of James and Judas Iscariot who became a traitor. What is this? A list uh, of all the uh, the disciples at that time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. A complete list of all the disciples. And I don't get any points for this, anyways, right? Yeah, right, they list, right. The, list the twelve apostles. Yeah. Well, then I'm going to say this is gospel. Like the good works of Judas. Gospel. Look, because this <laughs> listing out of all the uh, disciples is going to be the listing out of all the future apostles. And uh, the, our, uh, the church is built, including the scriptures themselves, at least the New Testament, is built upon this apostolic foundation. We say we believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. Notice that we don't say one holy Christian and biblical church, but apostolic. And the reason we're saying apostolic is simply because the promise was given to the apostles that the Lord Jesus and his words would be recalled uh, by the apostles and that's what we would receive then in the uh, in the New Testament. So this listing then of the disciples is a reminder of where it is that we've received these words, namely from the apostles, and they received them from the Lord Jesus, and that we, we receive the Lord's words through these apostles. I like it. All right. Uh, but no, I didn't get any points no for that. No points for it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was a tough one, I'll, I'll admit. Here comes the um, easy one for me. It's, <laughs> it's tough to get. Did you accidentally ones. give him mine? No, no, no. <laughs> you ready for yours? Yeah. Your one word is contest. Contest? Hold yeah. it, hold it. C O N T E S T. You did give him the wrong one. Everyone knows where contest is in the Bible. That's in. Is it a verb? Esther. Or a, <laughs> a verb or a noun? Hold on, let me think about this a little bit. Um, a uh, noun. Is it in some sort of verse that would be at all recognizable? You're not going to tell uh, me? It depends how well you know the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have the whole Bible memorized. <laughs> contest. I don't contest. think I'm going to tell you. Great contest. This is a con- contest, contest. I think this sounds Old Testament-y. <laughs> Old Testament-ish. I'm going to say... It sounds like a word that was translated from Hebrew rather than Greek. Yeah. Contest. <laughs> Um, uh, see, I don't know. You, we when we normally think of contest, it's like a competition that has you win a prize. But there's an old sense of contest, which is actually like a a war. You know, you go to contest, you go to fight. 
You're thinking of Genesis. Um, the, the, no, I was thinking of I was thinking like of Second Samuel, like you were thinking, this like contest with David and Goliath. Mm. I, I think though that uh, you know we have some of that stuff in um, in Psalms. I think this is going to be like a war song from the Book of Psalms. That's what I'm going to guess. Revelation. Is that your final answer? Yep, yep, that's mine. Uh, I'm sorry, this comes from Second Samuel. <laughs> oh, you got to be kidding me. Oh, uh, verse, chapter 2, verse 14. <laughs> what does it say? Uh, <laughs> then Abner said to Joab, let the young men arise and hold a contest before oh, us. Oh, I remember Joab that. said, let them arise. And then they get in the fight, and then they <laughs> run across the pool, and then they're fighting, tracking them down and killing each other. Oh. All right, well, we have three minutes. Do you want to do Law Gospel, then we'll have a bonus round? Let's do the bonus round. I'm okay. ready. I don't know if that's Law Gospel. <laughs> okay. I'm too distraught. Let's do... <laughs> the nearness of the points. Uh, yeah, let's do a, a wager for this one, and this will be one verse to the both of you. And uh, so, Pastor Milos, you have 400 points to wager. And uh, Pastor Wolf, you have zero points to wager, so <laughs> good luck. I'm against gambling anyways. <laughs> Not theologically, just uh, I don't know. Should we ha- have uh, Pastor Mulis tell many, how many points he wants to wager here? Yeah, I'd like to wager 400. I'm going to make it a true daily double. Okay. <laughs> All right. And you're going to give us a verse, and we're going to both take a stab at it? That's right. And Pastor Mulis has to go first, giving me the distinct advantage of only having 65 books to guess from. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to you know this is a, mer- a move of grace, because I could have uh, done 399. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know I could have done 399. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's the one verse. It says this. Arise, and let us attack by night, and destroy her palaces. Let us attack by night and Arise, let us attack by night and destroy her palaces. It's got to be Old Testament, Evan. It's got to be Old Testament. Arise, let us attack by night and destroy her palaces. I say... uh, I say Ezra. Okay, I'm going to write that down for (laughs) Pastor Melius. All right, Pastor Wolfmuller? I'll say Nehemiah. (laughs) that's like the guy that guesses one dollar less on the or one dollar more on the prices right right there i changed my answer i'm going to change it to psalms and or ezra (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah well i'm going to change mine to ecclesiastes and or that doesn't make any sense though <laughs> or, or <laughs> it doesn't really it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this, go ahead. This is actually from the book of Jeremiah. Oh, that, no uh, way you could have yeah, gotten that. Verse, uh, verse six: um, the impending disaster for Jerusalem. So, uh, arise, let us attack by night and destroy her palaces. Now, look, the Lord has a distinctive interest in preserving the palaces in Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem is where his temple is, and the temple is where the altar is, and the altar is where the blood uh, is making expiation for sins. Nice. (laughs) And that is what the Lord is interested in, expiating and forgiving sins. I will give you a Table Talk Radio point for that. 
Oh, bringing me to the victory. <laughs> Infinity times more than passing This in the Old Testament, the interest is protecting the palaces. In the New Testament, the ascended Lord Jesus is, has an interest in protecting his church. Yeah. yeah, which is where the sacraments are, which is where that blood is distributed, where the blood that won the sacrifice for all sins is given out for the salvation of the world. Pastor Melius, thank you for joining us for Table Talk Radio. It was a sort of a pleasure. <laughs> And thank you for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like running on Jane's treadmill. It never, <laughs> never gets you anywhere. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.